Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by Cars.com, Valvoline, and Goodyear. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Well, thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome to the first of what we hope is going to be many Motor Week podcasts. I'm John Davis, host of Motor Week, and with me sitting around our table in Studio C is producer Brian Roberts, our senior writer and reporter Dave Durso, consumer reporter Yolanda Vasquez, and our road test producer and editor Brian Robinson, who we always refer to as BR Square, so if you that comes out, you know who we're talking about. Hello. And uh, so everybody say hello. Hey there. Hey. How you doing? How's How you going? doing? And the idea is there's no idea. We're going to talk about Motor Week's 28th season. And yeah, that's a long time. Can you believe it's been 28 years? No, I can't, except my arthritis tells me it has been. <laughs> 28 years on public television. And what, I guess uh, about a decade now on uh, Speed uh, TV. Yeah. And uh, with that, we're kicking off a new season, and we're doing something a little different this year. We're doing what we call our clean power drive season, and this sort of plays off something that we did last year in the spring. We had a clean power drive segment where we went out and tried to answer a lot of consumer questions about what's better hybrid vehicles, diesel vehicles, other alternative fuel vehicles. And because there's so much interest in that with $4 a gallon gasoline and all, we've all had to pay it this summer, we're going to expand that topic, be talking about it all through the season this year. We'll have a clean power drive special in October that will talk simply about what's available now to get better fuel economy. But throughout the year, we're also going to be highlighting our road test. And we do, what, 150 cars a year, guys? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You know, so we're going to be highlighting the, the cars and trucks that are exceptional either because of their fuel saving or emissions technology or just because they've got high MPG and a great price. And we're going to be designating them our energy smart road test. So that'll be something new for this year. And actually, uh, we've in the first couple of shows, we've got several. We've got uh, the Honda Fit. We've got a Mercedes Blue Tech diesel. We've got uh, quite a few things coming for this energy smart moniker that will set it apart. So that kind of sets up the season. And, and all of you are veterans of the show. None of you have been in uh, uh, you know, here uh, just uh, yesterday. Let me start. Uh, give me your idea of what you see right now as far as what the state of the automobile market, what consumers are interested in. I should say, along with all of these energy-saving vehicles we're talking about, we're still going to be basically testing the hottest hardware out there uh, from, you know, Challengers to Ferraris, you name it. Um, New ZR1. We're going off to see uh, Dave uh, Scrivener, our other senior producer, is off driving uh, the Bugatti right now, I understand. Mm -hmm. Where is that? How come I'm never around when the Bugatti's here? I don't understand. I miss these things. You didn't didn't get the long straw. (laughs) I sure didn't. I tell you. It's not a good thing to be low men on the totem pole around here, but it's all good. Well, Yolanda, go ahead. Why don't you start off? You actually have been with us the least time of of any of us around the table today. You know, and and you also represent, frankly, you know, a different point of view. You're the female in this conference this morning and this (laughs) this podcast. And, you know, what do you see as since women really control people don't realize women control over two-thirds of the new car buying purchases. 85% of the t- choices come from women. Yes, we are, we are the ones behind the men saying the we final want that sale. car. Yeah, That's right. And, and in contrary to a lot of popular belief, women love performance vehicles. Yes, we do. But right now, what 
are your compatriots, your friends telling you that if they're in the market for a vehicle, what are they looking for? Fuel economy, is it? Fuel economy. What what kind of vehicle can I get that's not going to cost me an arm and a leg? And that's the one thing that a lot of women have been speaking to me about. Yes, performance is important, and believe it or not, other exterior features uh, matter to women, and especially mothers. I mean, I did a whole segment, as you know, right. about uh, this website called motherproof.com, mm-hmm. where women are looking for certain things. They don't want to know specifics about cargo space. They want to know, can I fit the stroller and everything else I need? So I think women's needs sometimes tend to be very different from men when they're looking at vehicles. But everybody wants to know more about these alternative fuel technologies. They're very, very interested in it. And I just did the hydrogen tour uh, down in D.C., and it was amazing the number of people that came up. All the car manufacturers had their hydrogen-powered vehicles mm-hmm. there. And there were more, There were I wouldn't say more women than men, but there were a lot of women. And the first thing, the question was, do you understand what this is about? And a lot of women, to hear their conversations, they knew exactly the functions and how it all worked. So I think there's a lot of interest on behalf of just the general public. Uh, another, another story we'll talk about is the GM Project driveway, where we're driving around in the... the uh, vehicle that had molecules on it and people were stopping i mean they were stopping a lot of these project driveway participants and we'll talk about that well, later let's, let's go ahead and talk about that right now because this is a lot of people are very curious about hydrogen fuel cell vehicles we've seen the uh the hondas uh, uh f uh, was fcx fx clarity yeah the clarity yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which basically is on the road in california right and here in the east we have gm's project driveway which is a modified chevrolet equinox yeah. with gm's latest fuel cell in it Mm-hmm. And you had a chance to drive it, and people should know that, you know, yes, we know it's, you don't have hydrogen fueling stations around the corner. But most people are very curious, thinking, am I driving a bomb? Uh, does, it, uh, does it drive normally? You know, what were your impressions? Because you spent quite a bit of time in this Equinox. Well, you know, interestingly enough, I've had this conversation with a lot of people about what do you think about the difference in the hydrogen-powered um, vehicles? And frankly, when you get in them, there isn't that much of a difference. I mean, even if you look at this prototype vehicle that GM put out, just looking at it from the exterior, it doesn't look any different than their regular Equinox. And I think they were going mm-hmm. for that, other than it's it's heavily yeah. badged. Um, but there's some things that you need to get used to. I mean, it's a lot quieter. Uh, you know, you hear that jet engine uh, sound when you first turn it on. There, Did that bother you? Did that bother me? No. Because there's a lot of discussion now about really? whether these vehicles need to sound like an internal combustion engine to make us feel more comfortable <clears> in them. Well, I just think it's a matter of us getting used to things we're not accustomed to, and that's, mm-hmm. that's going to take some time. Um, you know, instantaneous torque the minute you drive the car. Because it's an electric motor, Because it's basically. an electric motor. Right. The braking was a bit stiff, but they said that they can make adjustments with braking software as they go forward. But to me, there really weren't that many differences. Now, when you go to the hydrogen filling station, that took a, a few minutes to get used to. I mean, the mm-hmm. process itself is pretty much the same, and they've got a data port that comes through the back of the license plate because they're collecting information. But for the most part, and, and even our participants, and just so I can say real quickly, Project Driveway is a two-and-a-half-year-long market test that GM is doing where they're putting a 100 of these Equinox vehicles out on the streets in New York, L.A., and D.C., and they, they're putting the vehicles in the hands of everyday drivers to get feedback. They want to know how the vehicle performs. They want to know how they use these vehicles in their everyday lives. And then they're going to take that so that they can use it for the advancement of electric drive vehicles, and that's where GM is going with this. And it was fascinating for me to sit in the passenger seat while we followed two participants around Mm -hmm. D.C. and 
people in Toyota Priuses were stopping. No. I mean, no, seriously. Wondering what it was. Wondering, what, it, yeah. what is this? And, and is it good on gas? And tell me a little bit about the fuel economy and how does it work? And I mean, so that's when I say the interest is there. It, it, is, it is all over mm-hmm. the place. But, and, you know, the, the big problem, though, with the hydrogen fuel cell vehicles is that they still are off in the future. And we're going to be bridging to that future with other you know, either high mileage internal combustion engines, diesels. Clean Hybrids are going to become much more relevant. And and people, you know, one of the things we're going to focus on this year is what can you get right now? Brian Robinson, I want to turn to you mm-hmm. because a new vehicle, second generation that's just uh, just out on the market, the new Honda Fit for 09, second generation Honda Fit, high mileage, very versatile. For those of you that watch the show, you know that our Road tests are usually made up of a lot of different opinions. That's the way we do it. But there's always one person on the staff that spends more time with the vehicles than anyone else. (laughs) And it's usually Brian Robinson because he's in charge of the road test. But, Brian, you also went on the press event for the film. Yeah, exactly. Uh so give me give me your synopsis. I mean, this car has been widely anticipated. The first fit was was very uh, well received. It's high mileage. Did they improve it that much? Yeah, we gave it our 2007 Driver's Choice Award, right. and uh, they've only made it better. You know, it's a little bit bigger, it's a little more horsepower, a little more versatile. The, but about the same fuel economy. About the same, mid-30s. Yeah. And uh, they redid the rear seat, which I think was probably the best improvement. It was kind of a hassle before, is folding it. It's much easier now. They call that the uh, magic, magic seat. Magic seat, yeah. And what they do, just put a lever magic so you only – uh, my understanding yeah. is the lever, since I actually haven't – gotten in the vehicle you push the lever one way now and it all works instead of having to it's like right. a rube goldberg and no uh headrest removal anything folds flat so it's system. much more fitting. what did, yeah. you know when we did the 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 first test of the of the fit and one of the things we liked about because we call it our driver's choice mm-hmm. awards is we loved the way it drove it was fun yeah, and it's it's hard to explain why because it's not overly powerful and it handles well but not really that well but there's something about it. It's just it's very fun to drive, and it still still it has carries a really that good on. Balance. Yeah. Is it, it that Honda DNA? Yeah. I mean, you know, you, we've been saying. I can remember for for almost decades now. We've been saying, you know, Honda would come out with a new Accord, a new Civic, and you would you would look at it and say, well, you know, it's it's bread and butter. But gosh, you got behind the wheel, and there was something about it that just felt great, well, reassuring. Well, it's, it's so practical and it's affordable too. But fun. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Maybe not quite as affordable. I mean, they've raised the price a little bit. It's almost merging into Civic prices. And I think uh, it starts at 14 and a half and goes up to about 18 And you can buy a lot of subcompacts for less. Uh, I, think, I think yours starts at yeah. 13 something like right. that. But generally not as well equipped. But, you know, still, uh, you don't have, didn't see anything with the 09 that would change your opinion. The only negatives, the ride may be a little harsh for older people. They made a big deal about not just for kids, but for people who want a smaller, more fuel-efficient car. Mm-hmm. Coming out of midsize sedans, I think they might find the ride a little harsh. And also, yeah, it gets great fuel economy, but I think the tank's only like 11 gallons. So Yeah, so you got to stop often? Yeah, yeah. Fairly yeah, often, yeah. Be careful about the older people comment, you know, because <laughs> even young people have to drive through uh, potholed roads. Yeah, I don't want to give, I said at the opening, I don't want to give anybody an opinion, though, that we are going to walk away from basically the core premise of Motor Week, which was always to be the uh, television adjunct to a major print magazine. So we'll be covering the gamut of vehicles this year. So while there's a lot happening on the fuel efficiency side, 
There's also a lot happening on the performance side, mm -hmm. and one brand that has been making its mark uh, for the last, mm -hmm. oh, I guess five years now or so, and a resurgence like we haven't seen of any other Detroit brand I can think of, is Cadillac. <laughs> And uh, the details are out now on the new uh, Cadillac CTSV. And Brian Roberts, you uh, basically are, have had the chance to spend uh, some serious time yeah. behind the wheel. You know, I'll, I'll set you up. When we did the original CTSV, we took it to Roebling Roads mm -hmm. Raceway in, in Savannah, the track that we use in the wintertime. And it was the first domestic four-door sedan and one of very few sports sedans we've ever had there that we could run all day at that track and then pl pile in the back and go to dinner that night absolutely and yeah. on what i must say are the, the cobblestone roads down there in savannah at the waterfront and the car did everything superbly well so mm -hmm. did they make it better they made it better and this thing has a ton of horsepower 556 horsepower it's corvette engine yes um very very fast fastest uh, production sedan out there it really is really it's faster than an m5 it's faster than an e63 wow. um <laughs> and it's priced like an m3 uh and a uh c-class so C63. like a performance of an m5 yeah. but priced like a, the, a a three series. Yeah, they haven't plan. announced the pricing yet, but they're thinking it's going to be in the mid 60s. Okay. Which, uh, which on, on that ticket, it's a high ticket area, yeah. but that's still cheap when you can yeah. look at the performance. Yeah, and, and the magnetic ride control, it's the next generation magnetic ride control, it, which you know helps with the suspension uh, uh, dampening. It's just uh, incredible. It's really nice. Anything you didn't like? I mean, did you feel like um, they've, they've improved the styling, they improved the interior? No, the last generation had um, some uh, wheel chatter uh, when you got on it real hard, uh, mm -hmm. suspension, and um, they've gotten rid of that. Uh, it's surprisingly quick. You look down, all of a sudden, you know, you're approaching triple-digit speeds uh, very quickly. Not, it doesn't, we should say not on no, public streets. No. <laughs> We, at we least, actually, at we, least we're not going to admit to yeah, that. Yeah, we actually took it up to the Monticello Motor Club, the new, um, oh, the new okay. uh, race course up in uh, uh, New York. I uh, outside New York, so spent uh, half a day there. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the I know a lot of uh, viewers and listeners. Uh, re you know, right now the last thing they want to hear is is high horsepower. But the fact is, you know, cars are fun. Mm -hmm. And, you know, cars are the stars of, uh, of our show, and we're going to make sure that even, even when you're looking at something like the CTS-V, it's amazing. There, here's a car that will outperform almost anything else on the road. And, when you, and, and it probably still, I don't have it in front of me, but I would be willing to bet that, it, you know, the highway fuel economy is, is over 20 miles per gallon. And when you look at that kind of performance, uh, back when I was getting my license back in the 60s, you know, those kind of cards would be in the single digits as far mm -hmm. as fuel economy and still wouldn't have anything close to the performance. So we have come a long way in both performance yeah. and efficiency, even for the, the high-end cars. The viewers still wants that performance. I talk to Absolutely. viewers all the time, yeah. and they the, the serious performance people still want to see that stuff. And I think perform, people want performance even in their fuel-efficient vehicles. I mean, uh, we know that Honda is going to be coming out with essentially a sports car that's a hybrid. You know, because they recognize that people want fuel efficiency, but with the electric motor assist, it'll be quick. Right. You know, they still want to know if it's going to get out into traffic, if it's going to get on that, you know, that highway off-ramp really well or something like that, or get, on, get it emerge real quickly. You know, they don't care how, if it's getting 
50 miles to the gallon, they still have to get up and go with all their gear in it. And and speaking of that, David, you are our resident motorcycle expert. I mean, we've got a lot of riders sitting around this table, but Dave is in charge of, of all the two-wheeling road tests. And we do, you know, three or four bikes a year. But this year we wanted to do something different as part of our Energy Smart Road Test. We've gotten a lot of emails, and there's a lot of chatter on the Internet about three-wheeled vehicles, and I won't quite call them motorcycles, but they are, that uh, where you have two wheels in the front, one wheel in the back, uh, being substitute commuter vehicles. People think they're going to offer a lot of advantages as far as uh, fuel economy and also ease of parking and all. And you spearheaded our test of two of those. And, uh, you know, I know you're a purist, but, you know, what was your Maybe general impression? I mean, tell us what we uh, tested and then basically go from there. Okay, we uh, basically went with um, two vehicles, uh, one uh, called made by Bombardier, which is the Canadian snowmobile and ATV builder. Mm-hmm. It's called the Can-Am Spider, and it's really put out there as more of a performance roadster kind of machine. And, and it's got uh, two wheels in the front that are fairly widely separated. It's, they're basically small car tires. I mean, mm-hmm. they're... They're, it's got some serious meat on the road. Mm. And uh, it's got one in the rear. It's uh, about a 1,000 CCV twin. So it's pretty uh, powerful. It's, yeah, it's basically the, it's the same engine used in some Italian sport bikes. In fact, mm-hmm. it's built by Rotax in Austria. And uh, it's, um, it's basically you ride it like a motorcycle, but it's, uh, it doesn't ride, drive like a motorcycle. If you're you coming mean? straight off a bike, you're, you know, for first, it doesn't lean. Oh, that's so right. that's I a very it, yeah, different right. thing. So you're you're really throwing your body into it to get it around corners. Sometimes you, they even recommend you lean out over the front tire to really help because it it won't tip over, yeah. but it feels it kind of you're you're feeling that that pull of gravity anyway. So you really have to use a lot of body English when you get around it, corners. It was a little hard for me to get used to. I mean, yeah. I ride a Harley, uh, and and getting on that thing, it was just. It was difficult it's to figure out the meaning. It's very idea. stable, though, right? Oh, when yeah, you absolutely. Are, I mean, that's absolutely. actually that's what they're selling these as for, you know, non uh, or, or new bike riders, I guess, is, is if you're coming out of a car, you won't have the instability that you're used to. Yeah. It actually a, it feels more like an ATV or a snowmobile in terms of the way you ride it. So I think, I don't know if a new bike rider is necessarily going to jump on this and feel comfortable right away mm-hmm. because it's... Even coming off a motorcycle, it's a new technique. You have to kind of relearn how you ride these things. You need a motorcycle license to ride it. In most states, yeah. Apparently, they're working on getting that changed. But in most states, you still need a motorcycle license to ride it. BR Square, you rode it, right? It was fast and a lot more fun than I thought it would be. So it is, you know, this is kind of a performance vehicle. So... Uh, it's fast, and, and as I recall, uh, fuel economy was what in the 31. 30s. So yeah. that's really not much better than uh, like, a compact like car. Like a compact car, yeah. It's not necessarily, I, and I don't think they they don't really approach it that way. Well, you know, we, you, but you look at most motorcycles; these a lot of high performance motorcycles. They're not doing any better as horsepower keeps creeping up with motorcycles. Fuel mileage is going down. But then there's the so, second one that you tested as well. That is the Piaggio MP3. And one of the that weirdest is, vehicles we've ever tested. That's a scooter. and But unlike every other scooter on the market, this one has a pretty uh, pretty complex front suspension that allows the two, two, wheel, wheels. two wheels in the front. Right. And they actually, when you, you lean it like a regular motorcycle mm-hmm. or scooter, and the wheels actually tilt as you lean. It's so there's all these little arms and everything under the uh, front end of the vehicle are actually helping you lean the whole thing. So you can basically ride that you ride, more or less you like it, you would a normal scooter. You ride it just like a normal scooter. It doesn't feel any different. Until it handles you come like to a, a motor stop. scooter. Then 
it's interesting. You can put your feet down just like a regular scooter, or there is actually a uh, little button on the handlebar, and when you get down to just a couple miles an hour, you'll get a little warning light, and you can push that, and it will lock the wheels in an upright position. And you can actually just pull up to a stop and never put your feet down. You just I, have to get used to doing that. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I got to <laughs> tell you, I'm, you know, I guess hey, John, I'm to the point it. where I can't think and talk at the same time. I had trouble with getting the front wheels to lock because there's also a beep, mm -hmm. but the beep doesn't happen until after you've locked the wheels. So you've got this light that you've got to either be aware of or at least sense when the bike is going slow enough. So it starts blinking. Then you have to keep pushing the little knob because you can't just push it and hold it. Yeah. And then you hear a beep that confirms that it's locked. I would have preferred if instead of having the light, that if you heard the beep when you got slower, so you didn't have to look down. Yeah. It requires and, a little bit and of that when you And when you push the, the, the little button, uh, you could hold it in. But it, I'm sure I would have gotten used to it. Yeah. I did. I, uh, I got to ride it a fair bit and even rode it in heavy traffic, rode it through D.C. Yeah. And uh, down in Washington, D.C., that's some heavy traffic. <laughs> and you do get used to it after a little while. And the nice thing about that was it's at low speeds, it's really stable. I mean, more so than a regular um, than a regular scooter. And I think that's going to be the appeal, especially to beginners, is it does feel more stable at low speeds and over like rippled pavement and stuff like that, which they're going to they're going to encounter in urban commutes, though. This thing actually, it'll hold its own on the highway. And it was it'll, efficient, too. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, we got like 56 miles. Yeah, yeah. And, but it's it'll hold its own on the highway. You can go 70, 80 miles an hour on this thing with on the larger version with a 500 cc engine. I was going to say, I, I really liked riding it. I thought it was easy to ride and um, I didn't want to get off of it. I really liked it. You have yeah. to have a motorcycle license to, to yeah. ride both ways. Uh, yes, yeah. in most okay. states, again, motorcycle license, and uh, then and also it's it's available with three engines. You can get a small 250, which is really efficient. I'm, I'm, we actually got 56 miles a gallon out of the yeah, largest engine, amazing. which was the 500. What was MSRP on that thing? Um, six, well, six, seven, six, seven, seven, eight thousand dollars around there. Yeah. So yeah. a lot less than the Bombardier. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of uh, new technologies, as we wrap things up for our first Motory podcast, uh, Brian Robinson and I are, are off to the Paris Motor Show. Any, uh, any uh, details out yet about what's going to be there? There's a few things that we've seen on the Internet. Uh, yeah, just some things I found on the blogs. I think uh, Chevy Volt, aren't they doing the production version of that there? My understanding is the production version of the new Chevy Volt, GM's uh, new generation hybrid that's going to run supposedly 40 miles on pure electricity, mm -hmm. that's going to be held off to the L.A. Uh, Auto Show. But I think they're going to show some kind of a European adaptation of it, which they've already shown one. Um, it looks like, though, a very busy show. I, yeah. I know GM has already talked about several unveilings. BMW's got new unveilings, Mercedes. And because it's Paris, we know it'll be a pretty flamboyant show. Yeah, I think the Toyota's got a couple coming out that they uh, had showed earlier, uh, production versions of those. I think Nissan 370Z, maybe. Uh, is that right? Yeah, I think maybe that's That'll be a good be place yeah. for it. Yeah, Paris is the big international fall show this year. Uh, last year it was Tokyo and Frankfurt. This year it's Paris. And it really gets the auto show um, 
year started off with a bang. So, um, how did uh, I not get see? This is what I'm talking about. With the body. <laughs> no one invited me to Paris. I don't. You understand. get to go to, to beautiful downtown Washington. <laughs> I know. That's You're what on I'm the trying road to change. Too and you miss all this. I know. I know. <laughs> you know. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> well, I hope everybody enjoyed our, our first Motor Week podcast. I want to thank everybody: uh, Brian Roberts, Yolanda Vasquez, uh, Dave Durso here, and Brian Robinson for participating uh, in uh, what was a lot of fun. We're going to do this real soon, and I. I also want to thank Michelle Parker, who is producer of this uh, podcast, so she gets all the credit or blame, depending on where you sit right now, (laughs) and Jim Bigwood, our audio engineer, who made sure you could all hear us. For all of us at Motor Week, I'm John Davis, and we hope to see and hear you soon. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by Cars.com, Valvoline, and Goodyear. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.